But you know, friends, the Christian life, this vocation to holiness would be great. It'd be easy if life would just like pause for a moment and let us catch our breath. But it doesn't. Today we're talking about holding fast to what we know to be true in the Christian life, a life of virtue, even amidst the changing of the seasons of life. We'll talk to you in a minute. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi. I'm Teresa Grodi. And we're back with another extraordinary, hopefully, conversation about the ordinary pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty. Thanks for being a part of this show. Thank you for being part of this Manor at St. Anne's community, this uh, this uh, community of people looking for those opportunities that God is calling us to, to grow in holiness, to imitate him in our ordinary lives. Manor at St. Anne's community. That is the name of our patron community that you can be a part of uh, if you can find your way to support this show. Go to ElevateOrdinary.com to learn about that and how you can do that. And to get access to that, download the Awaken app at theawakenapp.io. That's the best place to follow this show and other Awaken Catholic shows, other good stuff, songs, prayers, other good stuff, as well as the patron community uh, for this show. We invite you to be a part of that. So uh, today we're talking about virtues more. We've talked, well, let me let me say this. <laughs> We've talked a lot about virtues, and that, that's, that's one of our our main frameworks that we, we like to use to look. But we want to bring virtues into the ordinary aspects of everyday life, which is where the virtues belong. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's our kind of our frame. We're looking at the ordinary things and saying, okay, what, what's the opportunity that we're missing here? We're not just quite seeing it. And so, but with that in mind, like, sometimes it's, it's easy to conceptualize the virtues and how I can take the opportunities if life would just stay exactly as it is right now. If I had the rest of my life to just figure out today, maybe I could scratch the surface on how to make a use of it. But life's always changing. Yeah, if I it's could like just a, pause all of my belt, five you know? kids and freeze them in just, time just freeze, while I was know? having a bad day just and could regroup. Nap, back. It's, uh, <laughs> but that's not how life works, no, okay? Not, and the, the church has been thinking about this for a long time, and they have lots of practicals to offer. Um, recently, I was invited to speak to a group of a, a huge group of women um, at St. Joe's in Sylvania, um, Ohio. And um, it was really cool. I met some uh, listeners to the show, which hey is awesome. I didn't realize um, people listen to the show. It's kind of terrifying. <laughs> think, but I was yeah. I was sure that we were safe here. but I know. Shit. I kind of thought oh, okay. I was just talking to myself here. Um, but... Uh, I was invited to give a talk about transitions through the seasons of life. Mm -hmm. And since I've only been through 37 seasons, (laughs) I needed to lean heavily on the church um, to discuss this. So this is actually based off of my talk. And I think I think it went okay. I think it's I think it's helpful. Nice. So um, that's what we do with the show. Talks and then uh, one of us is watching the kids, so that we have to come back here and give the talk to each other, so I can actually hear it. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm going to sit back. Yeah, and just, I know. Yeah, he doesn't know what I t- what I talked about. <laughs> um, so the church gives us some basic rules mm. about going through a hard time. Um, if anyone's interested in like Saint Ignatius of Loyola, mm-hmm. um, he wrote the discernment of spirits. Actually, he discerned these spirits while he was recovering from having a. Cannonball? leg taken off by a cannonball you know um, some days you're the dog some days you're the hydrant some day your leg gets taken off by a cannonball let's just 
Yeah. That's just how life but it is. gave him a lot of time to think. And during <laughs> during these thinking times, um, he figured out the general rules mm-hmm. um, of, of how God and the devil speak into our daily lives. Um, and some of these rules are really appropriate for going through difficult times and when you're not in difficult times, how to prepare for the suffering that will inevitably come because we live in this world on this side of heaven. Um, so first I want to talk about the basic rules when sure. going through yeah, a hard time. For, yeah. Yeah. And second, I want to talk about how the virtues, particular virtues in general, or mm-hmm. particular virtues um, can help us become, grow to be stable people so that you can weather the things that come. And I think that sometimes you know, you look at you look at certain people and they appear to be perfect. Yeah. Or they all they're always even keel and they just always say or do the right thing and you're just like I didn't get those genes. But it may be <laughs> because they've spent a lot of time weathering suffering, yeah. learning to grow in virtue so that when that time comes, it seems like all of their decisions are perfect, yeah. right? And they they've spent time embracing that bit of ordinariness. Again, if we think about what's the ordinary bit of life that we're trying to elevate and scratch the surface on and understand better in this episode, well, it's change, right? Yeah. It's the it's the reality of just our life is changing. It's it, one of my favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis. We've quoted it here before is and I'm going to you know, really loosely paraphrase, but he's talking about how we, we get this image in our mind of what our, our life is. Oh, my life is all this stuff, and, I, and it's all put in its perfect place, and I've, I've been prudent, and I've arranged it all, and I've got it all figured out. And that's good. That's important. But then we begin to make an idol out of that image of our perfect mm-hmm. life. And then when, when God sends us curveballs or when the kid interrupts us or somebody shows up at our door, we're like, no, no, you're interrupting my perfect life. We're like <laughs> Lord Farquaad from uh, from the Shrek, we're like my, my, my perfect world. You know, <laughs> That's not how it works. Change is part of life. That is part of your life. In fact, that is the life that God is sending you. And so, again, if, if, if part of what we're doing here in the show is elevating the ordinary, looking at the ordinary normal parts of life and with the lens of the virtues, trying to see how are we missing these opportunities that God, God is sending us? How are the inconveniences that are in our lives? How are we missing the reality that those are an adventure to be embraced? Well, that's what we're digging into. That yeah. the change is inevitable. Are we ready to to embrace it? And yeah. And then at the end of the episode, I want to briefly go through four stages in life sure. yeah. and kind of pull out. Maybe some practicals because I'm a big practical person. I'm learning how to be a general, big thinking philosopher kind of person being married to my husband. But I tend to be a more practical and logistical person. Um, So I want to talk about certain ways that in your particular stage of life, you can think about future stages of life or help people in other stages of life. You know, be a Christian. I'm excited. I'm excited for this. All right, let's do this. Dig into it. So discernment of spirits, St. Ignatius of Loyola. Mm -hmm. Rules for bad seasons. What I call it, not what he calls it. (laughs) You have the best words, babe. You have the best words of all the words. I I was watching. Everyone says so. I've asked all of them. Yes. I had to edit an episode and I think I made up a word in one episode. (laughs) It's just not a real word. So, oh, well. So he would call it desolation. Um, in bad seasons, when I am desolate or I've got seasonal affective disorder, I'm feeling lazy or whatever, um, I kind of just want to like run to my hole, sit on the couch, eat junk food, watch TV, and just like wait for it to pass. 
oddly enough, that's not what St. Ignatius of Loyola says will help you in times of desolation. So rule number one, this is not really rule number one out of the 14, but my rule number one. In times of desolation, never make a change, but be firm and constant in the resolutions and determinations in which one was the day before Hmm. such desolation. So do not make drastic changes to your established schedule without really good counsel Hmm. and not the friend who loves to be lazy too (laughs) who will just tell you it's fine yeah i don't know that's yeah i know right (laughs) i i am that girlfriend sometimes um (laughs) um but stay firm to the things the decisions that you made when you were in your right frame of mind basically is what he's saying and number two However, insist on more prayer, more meditation, more spiritual reading. And this is my addition, like more exercise, more coming out of oneself, more offering service to others and offering it up as penance, Mm -hmm. you know, because we do. We want to run to our little holes and watch comfort TV and eat comfort food. Mm -hmm. But really the antidote to bad desolation times is to come out of yourself, right. come out of that, um, stick to the schedule you had, stick to the prayer routine that you had, and you know maybe slightly increase the prayer routine. You don't want to go crazy um, and burn yourself out any further. But just you know, if you fast for if you're if you normally fast, you know, let's say between meals or something like that, and mm-hmm. you don't you don't go without snacks, you know, go one minute longer. You know, is what mm. Saint Ignatius would say, like go one minute longer. Um, don't go an extra day longer. <laughs> don't skip an entire meal, but just push yourself one extra minute and offer that minute up as penance. Yeah. Um, examine your own uh, labor and patience, thinking of how you will soon be consoled. Mm. Remember that your life wasn't always like this and that it probably won't exist like this forever. This may be like TMI, but this is where I always go. <laughs> Women in their cycles, like this is important to remember, to recognize as a teenager Teenagers oftentimes are not like looking, teenage girls are like not looking at their cycles and thinking it affects their, their lives. Mm. But you can get to a place where you're feeling so good because it's at a certain time in your cycle where you're biologically just feeling better. And then you go back into this depressive time or this time when you don't feel great, feel bad about yourself, or maybe you even have an, an inordinate like a swing that you shouldn't have or depression or really like dark thoughts if you think that that is going to last forever, mm-hmm. that's when teenagers do really bad things, mm. you know, and, and, and feel like I'm never going to get out of this. I thought I fixed it. I thought it was over, you know, so labor and patience, knowing that you will soon be consoled. Like, is this going to last forever? Yeah. Did I have good times in my life? Did I have good relationships? Um, and number four, examine your own actions for any negligence. Or prolonged shift. Sorry, I'm pregnant and I'm out of breath. (laughs) But this won't last forever. (laughs) Like a holiday or laziness or like poor habits in the evening. We do that a lot. Like we have a lot of late nights watching TV and eating chicken wings. And then we wonder why like we can't get up and pray or our life feels like it's falling apart. You know, or not making time for prayer. So those are four basic rules that the church gives us in times of distress. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, bunch of thoughts. So I mean, one of the things that comes to mind uh, is, first of all, it's good. It's good for us to 
understand the reality of. So we're talking about kind of mini seasons of life right now, day to day, week to week, month to month, kind of the up and down, the ebb and flow of our affective experience of our life. Some days it's good, some days it's bad. Now, it's also good to have the distinction there that sometimes it's it's um, it's affected by our bodily state, right? Like I haven't been eating well, I haven't been sleeping well, maybe the weather's changing, and that it has impacted this a lot. And that's good to know because if you can see that, oh, hey, I didn't sleep well for three nights and now I'm feeling kind of crappy. Like I shouldn't make a big, I shouldn't conclude that, you know. Like, prayer doesn't work in the morning. Prayer, <laughs> yes, that's right. Prayer doesn't work. <laughs> I'm going to stop the, praying. No, I need to work on my sleep schedule and take take heart that things can get better. Now, there can be a, a physical side to this, but even when you when you kind of are working on that side, then there it, there can be a more spiritual up and down as well. That's just part of the spiritual life mm-hmm. too. But it's good to to eliminate the low-hanging fruit. Like, oh, have I been eating well? Have I been sleeping well? Am I getting some exercise? Those things are important. Okay. So you attend to those and you hold to those, those the, that that self-care in obedience to God mm-hmm. and as a steward of your body, even when, when times are rough. Now then within that, then kind of a step deeper as he gave us too is then, okay, well, on, on a more spiritual level, like have I actually been praying? Have I been... You know, are there are there sins I'm holding on to? Have, have have I been doing anything spiritually that is that is contributing to this spiritual state that I'm in? And so that's to attend to too. Oh, I haven't been to confession for a while. That happens a lot with us. Like we realize, mm-hmm. oh, I haven't necessarily mortally sinned, but there's just been a real mm-hmm. buildup of just lots of little things, and I'm just I'm feeling the weight of it. Mm-hmm. So you attend to that. Now, even with all that, then sometimes our life does even so. Our spiritual life does just have times of this consolation and desolation. That's just part of the, the the undulation of the spiritual life. And so, as he said, even in those times, even if I can't see anything I've been doing wrong to contribute to this, well, then I still, I hold fast and I remember, well, hey, this, this comes and goes. This is a time to hold fast to what I know to be true, even though the feelings have left. That was one of uh, C.S. Lewis's definitions of faith, holding fast to what I knew to be true, even when the feelings have temporarily left me. And so you hold fast to what you know to be true. You hold fast to the prudent decisions you previously made, the schedule you made for yourself, the the ways you were going to care for yourself and, and, and keep your life in order. You hold to those knowing that this too will pass and there will be a better time to re-examine this and, and make any changes. But now is the time to hold fast. Yeah, and St. Ignatius, is, one of his rules for consolation is that essentially in good seasons, you have work to do. Right. You need to think about a stable schedule that you can set up. You need to think about your state in life and what prayer and sacraments that requires and how frequently. Um, that will look really, really different for mothers with young children than it will with single college students. Um, uh, but in... Consolation, you have work to do to prepare yourself to not be unfaithful right. to the Lord during times of tribulation. Yeah. Um, and so this is an important one for me. Yeah. The the way in which we become good, stable people mm-hmm. for the seasons ahead of time is we grow in the virtues. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to talk about some specific virtues. Um that maybe we I mean sure we've mentioned here or talked about here, but mm-hmm. it specifically how it helps you weather a situation, make good decisions, um, and prepare yourself for times to come. So the number one, of course, number one virtue is prudence. (laughs) Turning towards reality, turning towards the reality of the situation and making decisions based on that reality. And again, so going back to just what we were talking about, 
um, this is the all important human virtue. Now, again, there there are other there are the, the theological virtues in terms, but those are those are different in the sense of those are graces we're looking to receive from God. Those are the graces of the relationship with God. On the human level, insofar as we we engage our free will, we engage our freedom to make choices, to do things in response to grace, prudence is always the first step. And it's so important when we're talking about consolation and desolation because precisely in action what prudence so often is, is a, a stepping aside from the current feelings, which may or may not bear any relation to the reality of the situation at this moment. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. The point is, it's stepping aside from those to say, no, no, what do I know to be true reasonably, even though my feelings might be all over the place, you know, like it got dark today and now I'm just depressed as all that's, get yeah, out. Yeah, that's me. No, but what I know to be true, <laughs> it's holding fast to that and saying that that has to be the guiding principle, attending to truth, you know, and and so then attending to the truth of, of the time of uh, consolation and desolation. I was going to just say about the consolation, like I I have the big problem. <laughs> Actually, I feel like I do better when I'm a little desolate. Like then it's like, okay, I'm working hard and life seems terrible, but I'm going to get down and make a schedule. It's as soon as things get, get good, get organized. It's like, <laughs> Oh, well now I can relax. And it's like, no, that's that, no, that, that's the time to really, to work on your schedule, to work on yourself, to work on being prepared for when, when, and if things get goofy again, but yeah, Prudence is that virtue, the habit, the habit of of turning to truth and trying to remain there and hold on to that even when life is feeling really difficult and dark. Yeah, and I think the most important reality to turn to, especially when you're in a difficult season in life, is that God exists and that he is faithful. Mm -hmm. God exists and he is faithful. He is a faithful, abundantly giving, gracious giver, a father who wants to take care of us and wants all good things for us. Yeah, yeah. Even if those good things, even if the, the purification hurts, yeah. right? Um, but that he exists and he is faithful and that what the church teaches is real. And that's the first reality you need to turn towards because that is very difficult. You know, when people are telling you food shortages are coming and there's going to be no gifts for Halloween and the, or Halloween, Christmas. And, you know, the, the, and the other the, people are out to get you. Yeah. The they're not delivering things. There, you have to others. stay in your homes, but they're not delivering things because everything's backed up, you know, and you're just like, like, Sometimes it's very hard, like when you're Peter walking on the water and there's like waves and stuff going everywhere. That is a really hard reality it's to great, attend to. It's a great image of prudence, isn't it? Right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, the waves, the wind, and stuff. And the because court. you will sink. But Jesus <laughs> is there. Yeah. And everything else has to be in the context of that reality that I'm holding fast to. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So if everything that the Catholic Church teaches is true, what if I actually acted as if this were true? Okay, so what if I actually acted in this situation as if good is a gracious, God is a gracious and good and giving Father mm-hmm. who always has me in His arms? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what about this is a season in life? Okay, what about the situation is a season in life, mm-hmm. and what is permanent? Yeah. You know, um, how long will this last? Am I being realistic about my role? You know, what are my fears? What are my desires? How am I managing those fears? How am I asking for what I need? This is very difficult. That's a really good, yeah. that's a whole, that whole line item there is really important. Yeah. In those moments, well, I have to, I have to hold fast to what I already decided, my, my rule of life, all that kind of stuff. 
but look for ways in which I'm actually not living according to that. I'm mm-hmm. taking on more than I ought to. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, you, you mentioned uh, asking for help. Like, did, was I, had I had a sort of like subconsciously decided I need to do this all on my own? Mm-hmm. And I'm now realizing, oh, that worked when I was in consolation. And now the bottom's falling out of the, out of the boat because I, I'm realizing I shouldn't have been relying on myself. I should have been reaching out to others, calling, asking mm-hmm. for help. You know, collaborating with somebody that may be what yeah. I need to attend to. And Lord, who, who is the person you want to help me? Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes I'm I'm very logistics oriented. So when I want to plan something, I'm already thinking about delegating, and I'm thinking about who I'm going to delegate to, or how I'm going to find volunteers to delegate to it. And sometimes if I just take a moment in prayer, mm-hmm. it's almost like a light switch where God will be like, try this person first. Yeah. You know, and and it turns out to be like a win-win situation or they were looking for a way to give or they were looking for this situation to work this way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just um, am I asking for what I need? You yep. know, am I afraid my husband is going to think less of me because I need help in this situation? You know, that's something that, geez, what a turning point in our marriage to be able to be like really vulnerable and say like, I need help with this. I can't do all of the errands I have for this day, Mm -hmm. but they all have to get done. You know, like, can you take your lunch break and do X, Y, Z, which feels like a failure, but it's, it's just turning towards reality and saying, I'm not a superhuman person because I've got like these five kids in tow (laughs) and (laughs) And it takes me 10 times as long to do anything. As you said, again, as you're, as you're trying to attend to the reality of the situation, if we're looking at this all in the context of a, good and loving Father God who is all good and knowing and powerful and provident, then again, the way that we are, have to try, again, despite our our fleeting, goofy feelings, perhaps, at a, at a given moment, we're trying to hold fast to the truth that if he's allowing me to go through this, there's some good to be gotten out of it. There's some good in it. And so I think sometimes the the reason that we have times of desolation is that it's it's only in those moments that we can ask some of these more difficult questions. Mm, like yeah. again, in good times, have I been completely self reliant? Have I actually been growing in this this kind of fierce independence? I got it all together. I'm doing it all myself. I don't need you, God. I don't need, need you, neighbor. I got it all myself. Well, God then allows us to experience those times when we we see our weakness, we see we feel the futility of it, precisely so that we'll we'll turn back outward. Mm-hmm. But we have to be we have to be trying to see those times through that lens. What's the opportunity here? What, what is the new bit of truth that God's trying to show me? Yeah. All, all of the virtues. Well, all of the human virtues. Yes. I'm not a philosopher. So you'll have to change my yeah, wording if it's wrong. Yep. I really hinge on reality. Um, yeah, okay. Um, so there, there are other examples of like, just maybe to just to flesh it out. Sometimes it's good to think about the vices that oppose mm, yes, yes, the yes. virtues uh, yeah. so we can better understand them. So other responses to reality would be pride and sloth. Right. Um, so they're both pride and sloth are both a way of escaping reality. Pride mm. says um, that this reality is beneath me. Mm-hmm. It's this thing that I'm looking down on and I am bigger than that and I am better than that. And then sloth is you're looking up at this reality and you're just thinking like, oh, this is too much. I can't do this. This is, uh, this looks like a good and great and wonderful thing, but I just can't. I'm just going to sit on my couch. They're both uh, (laughs) Satan's uh, I will not serve. Non non serviam. I will not serve. They're both a no to, to reality and the reality's author, mm-hmm. 
you know, they, they both kind of go in a different direction, different attitude, different ethos, but really they're intertwined. They're two sides of the same coin of one way or the other saying no to reality. Whereas, as again, as you started with, prudence is, is turning, turning to towards reality. reality. And, the, and one of the fruit virtues, I guess, is humility. Yeah, that's, that's rocks. Off, in rock which off. you, like, I'm embracing the truth, the reality of who God is and who I am. Mm-hmm. That's humility. Yeah, who God is it. and who I am. I'm here for it. I, have a, I, want, I want to be a person of reality. I love reality. That's your, that's your thing. That's yeah. And then humility, out of humility, magnanimity is born. The virtue by which man pursues what is great and honorable in his life, even if it's difficult. Mm. So the fruit of of prudence in difficult situations is that you will end up with humility and magnanimity, where you do see these people who see these great things and are not afraid. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Let, let, let me sum it up for the for the, the the youths out there. If if you can't even right now. <laughs> I don't think that's youths anymore. Is that not youths? Babe. Is that us? Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting old. <laughs> no, but that is like whenever we, that should become a little trigger in us. Whenever we, we find ourselves unable to face reality, like like when we're feeling like this is hopeless, like we can't do, we, we, we have to recognize we're falling into one of those poles of pride or sloth, either a despair about what, what the reality that God has made or a pride. We're resisting the truth in some way, but, but we have to, Recognize too that 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 takes all the stuffing out of our ability to be magnanimous, to be courageous, to you know, in God's, um, with God's grace, uh, in His presence, in, in trust in Him, to be able to have this great heartedness. That's what magnanimity means: great heartedness. Well, that great heartedness comes out of humility, which means embracing the truth, looking at reality. So whenever we we we're feeling like I just can't even hit. Well, which of those are we falling into, that pride or that sloth? And how do we need to return in humility to what is just real and true? And from there, God can rejuvenate our courage, our magnanimity, our, our, our um, yeah, this holy upward ambition to, to, uh, to grab onto all that God wants to give us in life. Yeah. I want to skip some of the cardinal virtues and go to the sub virtue. How dare you? How dare you? I don't know. Of patience. Patience. It's a okay? sub-virtue of courage or fortitude. Yeah. How does this help us become a stable person? Well, I think understanding what the definition of patience is. What is, patience is not. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah I, I think I've, I've mentioned on here, I used to think patience was just not punching. Like not punching. getting through a situation like wide-eyed and white-knuckled and just like, oh, I, I didn't did like I scream patient. at anyone. I, I didn't patient. throw that customer's food in their face. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I wasn't that kind of a waitress. I was actually a pretty good waitress. Um, patience is guarding the peace of Christ within you. Hmm. Like there's a peace that only God can give and there's a place inside of us. We all know, you know, where that rests and where he dwells in us and he speaks to us and patience is guarding that peace Mm -hmm. at all costs. So there are times, you know, and you've, you've been there and you've wondered like, why did I almost have a panic attack in this situation? And why in this situation did I just like come out of it? Great. Mm -hmm. And I think that, 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 that was probably what was acting within myself Mm. is that, okay, I'm not going to upset this inner peace. (laughs) I'm not going to cut myself off from being able to be a rational person and getting too angry or getting too wound up. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to kind of observe what's happening around me 
and act in ways I need to act, but not react, you know, just like you're just guarding this place so that the, the work of God and his indwelling can continue to influence the situation. That's what patience is. Right. That's a huge difference between like getting red faced and just not getting out of that situation. Because once you've done that, you've already lost patience. I mean, examine our our language is so philosophical. If you just examine our common phraseology, there's so much philosophy just baked in. We always talk about losing your temper, Mm -hmm. losing Mm -hmm. your patience. Well, again, losing your temper. Is that, that there's that in your heart of hearts, where you're holding on to, again, in prudence, you're holding on to, I know what the truth is. The truth is that Everything's going to be okay. Oh, we haven't talked about temperance all yet. Will, in this you know, show. Romans eight twenty eight. Like all things work together for good for those who love God. Do I do I hold on to that? Like it's if that's true, then I don't. I never need to worry. I never need to lose my cool. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean I don't experience emotions. Doesn't mm-hmm. means that things are difficult. But it's that um, on the deepest level, I hold on to that truth so that I can then just I can deal with these things according to what they are. But once we lose that patience. And then it's like I just become an anger ball. It's like the deepest yeah. part of me is just anger now. And then I have to like go off and get calmed down because I've I've let go of something true and permanent and what's entered in is just my anger. You know? Yeah, I'm thinking about the difference between reacting when you ought. Okay, so like a knee-jerk reaction where you grab a child because right. they're walking out in the road or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the opposite of patience then is reacting in situations where you ought not react. Mm. Right. Which is like 99.9% of our life. We don't need to have knee jerk reactions to things. Right. right? We're not actually stopping someone from falling off of a precipice, you know, or putting out a fire or something like that. 99.9% of the time we are safe. Well, yeah. Let me put this in terms of actually I was just at the diocesan education conference recently. One of the speakers, I can't remember her name right now, but she was talking about, I think she was talking about the virtue of patience. And she was talking about how patience as a sub-virtue of courage really deals with our human fight, flight, or freeze response, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. that, that there's a liminal space between the stimulus and then one of those responses where we can guide our body, guide our passions to, to, to stay in the truth of the reality that I'm not really in danger. I'm not getting eaten by a bear right now. You know, your body, if you're getting about to get eaten by a bear, your body will do some things reactively, and that's good. But 99% of the time, that's not what's actually happening. But we still have the same bodily response, especially if we've been conditioned to do so. You know, the, the milk spills and then your body's instantly in like, it's the end of the world, you know. <laughs> but you can make a decision and you can practice well, only if it's and, and get milk. better and better. <laughs> no! You can get better and better at that happens and you hold yourself in the truth. This is okay. It's just milk. There's no use crying over spilled milk or freaking out or getting angry. It's just milk. Yeah. And that's that's patience is holding on to that. And again, as, as a virtue, as a habit, the more we practice it, the more we're able to kind of maintain that yeah. that slight distance between. Yeah. And, and patience yeah. allows you to attend to reality. It allows you right. to be prudent because it gives you that space between your inner self and the outside world that's trying to come in and <laughs> have you make decisions on it. Right. Um, so patience, justice, giving each his due, or as my husband likes to say, which I really appreciate, embracing the web of relationships in your life. They are real and exert real demands and responsibilities. The relationship with God is real. The relationship with spouse is real. The relationship with child is real. The relationship with employer is real. Mm-hmm. The relationship with neighbor is real, like your physical neighbor for sure. 
this is a good this is a good example of one where we especially need to attend to it and work on it in times of consolation, mm. right? When when things are when the sky is clear, yeah. you know, and things is bright, bright you know, it, it's bright out, you know, and we're we're feeling good about life. That's the time to do the soul work of saying, "Okay, Lord, like I, I want to think through this. What what are the different aspects of my life? Are they in order? Do do the, those priorities?" Are they reflected in my schedule, in my money, in my attention? And how do I, you know, make a plan of life to reflect the, the truth of that web of relationships? God first and spouse and kids, et cetera. Yeah. But you, you can't do that when you when the, it feels like the world's mm-hmm. coming to an end. That's that's something for the good times so that then you have that that rational content, mm-hmm. you know, the the truths of what I owe to God and and family and neighbor you know, I, I've already thought through and kind of worked that out and been practicing that. So then when things feel bad, then I can hold fast to that. Well, so I think when uh, like practical for when you do need to attend to the web of relationships in your life and your mm-hmm. justice in your life during yeah. a difficult situation, you can look at the people who are a part of that situation, yeah. call them together and have kind of like a common rally and cry. We mm-hmm. did this recently when we were um, taking care of my dad after his surgery mm-hmm. You know, where we went, went one dinner, we were with the kids and we were like, guys, like this is this is going to be such an honor. You know, my dad took care of me when I was a baby. You know, he stayed up late nights rocking me and fed me and worked for me. And now grandpa needs help and we get to have him under this roof and we get to cook for him and bring him, you know, and play with him and puzzles. We're going to work together. Yeah. And it's going to be different. Um, You know, we're giving up, we gave up our playroom, which our house is super small. We've got three bedrooms (laughs) and the biggest one I have put aside is the playroom Um, because the kids just sleep in their bedroom. They don't need to play in there. So, I mean, it was difficult. The kids, the first couple of days were like, this is different. I wish it would go back the way it was. And and we were able to say, you know, how long is this going to last? Grandpa's only going to be here for, you know, a month or so. And then he'll go back to his home. But like, it's so great that we're going to have him here and you can go in there and play board games with him and he can come out here and have meals with us. Um, and, and so like when you do have to attend to these difficult situations that come your way, you can look at the relationships in your life, the relationships that it affects and say like, guys, let's rally, you know, how this is going to last for X long. These are the goals that we need to accomplish. Um, these are, this is the dignity of the other people that we need to attend to. Mm-hmm. So let's do this. Yeah. And then when one person gets down, the other person, I mean, I think I, I, I had said to you a few times, you know, like it's only, it's only last forever, yeah. you know, like it's just, and, and this is right and it's just, yeah. and you know, it's, it's building, it's building up our treasure in heaven very truly. I think another, another aspect of justice, uh, again, talking about transitions and seasons of life is that, so again, on the one hand, I think that that's something we have to work out and think through and make a plan for uh, during the good times, during consolation. But then when we enter into a time of desolation, you know, when life is, is seeming hard and difficult and overwhelming, it's always best, I think, in, in, in terms of justice, to kind of move um, higher or lower on the ladder, depending on how you conceptualize it. Move back toward the, pri- the, the higher priority, the more fundamental um, when it's difficult. So, like, again, if life is overwhelming, make sure, like, maybe life is overwhelming at work. Well, make sure, like, I'm attending to my family. Family is overwhelming. Make sure I'm attending to prayer. Like go back to the more primary mm-hmm. thing and make sure that you're not missing something there. You're keeping holding to that because part of 
part of what justice does is it, it protects this cascade of grace in our lives. It keeps it connected. Like I can't be a successful guy at work if I'm not, if I'm not taking care of my family. I can't be a successful father, you know, a good father if I'm ignoring my wife. I can't be a good husband if I'm not glorifying and worshiping my God. That ha- that is a cascade of grace there, and I need to keep it all connected and and linked up. And so if uh, I mean sometimes again we just have times of desolation in our life. But one of the ways we respond to that is holding fast to, to that web of relationships, to, to justice. But make sure especially that you're not missing kind of the, the earlier, more fundamental links in that chain. Because that may be where there may be a, a great divorce occurring of, mm-hmm. of grace where I'm, I'm really – I'm missing some of the graces God wants to give me because I'm, I'm putting something higher in front of something uh, – Okay, my higher and lower is all goofed up here because it depends on how you conceptualize it. <laughs> something uh, secondary in front of something that's more primary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's excellent. I had never Thanks. thought of it like that. Um, so now I, with the time that we have left, I'd like to get into some practicals with the different stages in life. Mm-hmm. Because part of why we want to weather situations well um, and learn to weather them well and learn to be stable people mm-hmm. is not, I mean, it is for the sake of our souls, but it's also for the sake of other people's souls right. because we give context to other people's lives. Right. Um, and the world is ready to give context to our lives. You don't have to search. The world will search you out and tell you how you yeah. should be living this how stage in life. Yeah. Um, and so It'll give you a narrative. It'll yeah. give you a narrative. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. is how wives behave. This is how husbands behave. This yeah. is how, you know, whatever. You're a victim, blah, blah, blah. Oh, don't I'll, throw words well, out I'm, there. I'm, my point is, there's a thousand <laughs> narratives out there. We can't use language. And anymore. we want to only attend to what the Lord is telling us about life, you know, His truth. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, keeping this in mind as a Christian, the framework for our existence is the family. Yeah. Everyone comes from a family and we have broken families. I know it's, it's, I don't think that there's any one of us that can think of our family in a big, you know, like all of my family members without there being hurt in there, um, without wincing a little bit. But the, the reality is, is that we all come from families. It is God's primordial way of continuing his church and his creation here on earth. So um, in the beginning of our lives and at the end of our lives, we take care. We are taken care of. And in the middle of our lives, we We take take care. care. And the work of the Christian never stops. We don't retire. I mean, when you're a baby and you don't know what work is. (laughs) Baby's got work to do. Do They got to poop and they got to (laughs) eat. Sorry. The work of the Christian never stops. They're doing their Christian duty. <laughs> so we need to be mindful of those in other stages, um, as well as attending to the duties in our own stage. Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of for the talk, because I knew there were going to be children there. <laughs> I wasn't talking to kids. Mm-hmm. I broke it up to college life, college and single life. Mm-hmm. Okay? Newly married young children, sure. empty nesters, and then old age wise old age which i hope i hope i'm getting real real here that's coming up real fast yeah 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 Yeah. keep calling them keep going with youths babe uh (laughs) so college and single life 
um, you need to attend to the reality that you are more free. I know sometimes that like education makes you feel like you are less free um, or, or the system, the education system that you're in, you know, or the work that you're trying to accomplish to get into your career, to get into the next stage of your life. It feels overburdened. But you are more free than you will be in the future. (laughs) So you have to really attend to that freedom and do something with it. Um, Binge the sacraments. I mean, that college is a time (laughs) for you to be binging (laughs) the sacraments. (laughs) You're just full of good t-shirt slogans. (laughs) <laughs> hey, hey, uh, patrons, uh, a quick, quick commercial here. Like, I think I need $50 patrons. We do actually now have a mug. We got a couple people got to send mugs to now, but, but Teresa's last cool slogan, uh, <laughs> for mugs was, I love reality. That's our prudence quip right there. So maybe a binge the sacraments will be our next one. Anyway, continue. College students binge, binge the sacraments. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody comment or whatever below. Is there a below on these things? <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> yes, yes. The YouTube. If you have a better, cooler way to say it. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, yeah, like bin, like binge the sacraments. Well, it's what you were saying earlier. Again, the 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 truth of let's call it this like adult, but but single uh, still. So like you're not you're not you're not in a, your vocation yet. You're not married. You're not committed. There's this liminal space, whether or not somebody's going to college, you know, like, like, you know, in a or the kind of education they're receiving. There's this space between childhood and being locked into a vocation. Yeah, that, very that few people go from being a child to married. Right. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's the usually convent. some space in there, and there that is a time of real freedom because you don't have to be. You can leave your school, you know, and you're not married yet. You know, you don't have a ring in your finger. You're not committed to a convent you or can drop your class you're not a priest. Like that is the time you you have a lot of freedom and that's why it's also time of getting into a lot of trouble, but you can use it. You can make a choice to say, I'm going to use this freedom as a time of consolation. I'm going to use this time to binge the sacraments, to grow in a prayer life, to, to, to set some patterns in my life that I want to carry me all the way through whatever happens next. Mm -hmm. Um, I lost my train of thought. Pregnancy. Binge the sacraments. Binge the sacraments. No. Um, so what are the things that will prepare me for my vocation? So being mindful of another stage in life mm-hmm. that's coming to you. That's a great point. And yeah. also being mindful that there are other people in other stages of life who have needs. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a good time to volunteer for babysitting. This is a, oh, gosh, Kimberly Hahn in Steubenville had this amazing system set up mm-hmm. where the college kids at Franciscan got paired with a, a mother, mm-hmm. a mother's helper, mm-hmm. or, you know, like a mother's helper's position. Right. And the... People who came, the, the students who came are like without their families for the first time, mm-hmm. you know, and so they would come and help for a certain number of hours, watch the kids with the exchange, excuse me, that they would participate in a family meal. Mm-hmm. So you get to be present at a family. And a lot of these kids came from yeah. bigger families, miss their siblings. And then also that they get to do laundry at your house. Right. And so it, it was just like this, like it, was great, it yeah. helped them be mindful of the stage that they may enter into, but then at the same time offering service to that stage when they're in a more free state, Yeah, you know, that they're, they're more masters of their own time. Yeah. One of the, the goofy, you were, I think last episode we were talking about socialization and different aspects of that. One of the goofy things that happens in modern society is that we keep kind of like lock people into their stage of life, whether it's their age group in school um, you know, 
yeah, or, or the stage of life that they're in. And, and we, and we, and they kind of stay there and they're not exposed to other, other parts of life. And it, it contributes to people being very isolated and inward and self-referential and kind of just seeing the whole world through the lens of this particular current stage I'm in. But the reality is life is always changing. Mm-hmm. You're only a college student or a single unmarried adult, maybe for a short time, you know, or but the, the, and even if, even if that lasts for a while, again, in human years, it's still a short time because life is really short. The point is, is that every stage you're in, you need to be interacting with people from other stages mm-hmm. so that you're, you're, you're so keeping you can, the reality in your mind. Of you that, can put it into context yeah, when you get there. <laughs> this isn't all it is. I was a, I was a baby just a few short years ago and yeah. I'm going to be an old person. I'm like, yeah. And like, look how much this mom is like giving all of her life to that baby. Gosh, that was me. Sometimes I feel like I popped into existence when I was like 15 right, right, and right. I was like totally self-sufficient. Yeah. And I don't even remember that people gave up their entire lives for me to right. exist. Um, and interacting with other stages in life and being mindful of other stages in life really helps you put that into perspective. Um, And then like education, you know, like education is important, but the college experience is not important. Fear of missing out is not important. (laughs) Okay. Like, do I want, you know, thinking about your vocation in the long term, like, do I want to be locked into being an employee? Mm. Is that what I want for myself and my family? Do I want somebody else's system telling me, you know, we have a lot of lawyer friends. Right. And the, the like their wives and young families are in such poverty. And they'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. Like you they the demands on young lawyers entering into the system is like so heavy on families, yeah. so heavy on marriages. Um and it's like asking those questions, yeah. you know, saying like, is is that what I want? Do I want to develop a skill? Do I want to become a master of that skill? Do I want to pass that skill on to my children? Um, do I want to be able to step back away from the career? Mm-hmm. Like, is this education towards a career or is this towards my betterment and being becoming a, a, a better so, citizen of the kingdom. Yeah, so many yeah. of the decisions that we make, yeah, financial decisions, educational decisions, vocational decisions, sexual decisions, at different stages of life, we we don't do them prudently, and and it's what contributes to that lack of prudence is that we we're, we're staying very isolated, not just into the reality that life is short and you will die at a very short time from now, like it's going to happen, life is short, but also that even narrower still that we interpret all of life through the current stage that I'm in and I'm kind of in love with. I love this stage of life right now. And I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be, I'm going to feel the same. I'm going to, I'm going to value the same things. I'm going to be the same person 10 years from now or 20 years from now. But like life is always changing and exposing ourselves to other stages. It keeps, it keeps the reality, it keeps the, the reality in front of our eyes that, Hey, life is short and I need to be looking where this is going. What kind of, the kind of life that I'm building now is what I'm going to live with. And so if I'm not living a good life now, why am I expecting it's going to get better? I need to live the virtues now mm-hmm. that I want to have there. I want to need to be building now. Um, and, and this is true, not just in my later, my human life, but in my eternal life. Like that's, we have to be looking, we have to be living now the way we would want to be living um, throughout whatever changes come. Yeah. You know? A great book for this stage in life is Leah Labresco's Building the Benedict Option, yeah, full of practicals. Um, she's a super practical lady. I think awesome. Jen's book, Jen uh, oh, Fulweiler's book. I've got that in the next stage. Oh, well. 
Sorry. I'm just. We'll move to the next I'm stage. I'm just really <laughs> anticipating future stages of this conversation. Because that's where we are right now. <laughs> um, so newly married couples and young families. My my number one when I was thinking through, like, if I could give advice to somebody who's just getting married. Yeah. Would be finding a support group of fa- faithful Catholic women, husband getting connected with faithful Catholic men. Um, maybe even, you know, a few years ahead of the game in you um, to fill in the context of marriage and raising children, sex, all that stuff. Um, I, I was, I'm really shocked to find how, even if you go into marriage fully committed to the Catholic ideal, living it, you know, trying to make Catholic decisions, how quickly the world gives you a context of what sex and marriage looks like Mm -hmm. and how you believe that simply, (laughs) simply like practicing NFP is like all that it's going to take. And, and no, I, and so I'm not saying don't practice NFP. What I'm saying is that if you don't know that other couples go through long periods of abstinence, okay, if you don't know that other couples struggle with like, like if you don't know that your wife is going through a postpartum crazy period right now, like if you don't have other men to talk to about them, be like, oh yeah, like every, every woman, like, yeah, she's just going to cry buckets and seem really irrational and unreasonable. And her whole, you know, her whole life is changing right now because this, no, it does. I mean, it does. And that's a really, um, that's, that's a whole nother discussion. I want to have somebody on to talk about postpartum health, but (laughs) if you don't have someone to talk to about that, You have no framework to put this. Or like right. the fact that our grandparents mm-hmm. sometimes spent years in abstinence. Right? Mm-hmm. Or that when we get to the ends of our lives, it's not going to look the same as well, it does now. Again, just like even with the consolation and desolation, that, that is looking to an older spiritual brother or father in the faith mm-hmm. saying, hey, there's going to be up times in your spiritual life and down times. That's true of everything in life. Your marriage is going to have a honeymoon period and then it's going to have the reality of, you know, just like normal life. And then it'll come back up and they'll be good. But that's just part of life. And you 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 can read about that, but you need to have other people who keep that reality in front of your eyes that that there's going to be ups and downs. And mm-hmm. I can I need to hold to what I know to be true during the downs. Mm-hmm. I need to learn during the ups. Yeah. yeah. I remember um like so, baby showers in my family, baby showers, weddings, whatever. They're they're never just for the person who's getting married. It's always an opportunity for family members to invite all of their cousins and aunts and things, and you know, have a big old party. You know, so at my baby shower, there were a lot of people I had never even, I wouldn't even recognize and be able to tell you their names, but they're extended family members that my mom was really, like really excited to connect with. And I remember sitting there like amidst my great aunts and aunts and cousins, second remove. I don't know, like. And they were talking about the crazy feelings they had after they had babies. Like when, like, oh, this baby won't stop screaming and the window's open. What would happen if I just threw that baby out? And you're like, <gasps> or so then someone's laughing like, oh, yeah, I felt like I wanted to just dump this hot tea on the baby's head. And you're like, <gasps> and you're like, oh, these women are crazy. But then when you get into that period in life. And you're having thoughts like, I can't put my baby down because a car might crash through the wall and like kill the baby. Or my husband can't leave the house because I know as soon as he does, he's going to get hit by a car and go into a million people. And you're like, why am I having these insane obsessive thoughts? You at least can say, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. This has happened. I need to talk to someone about this. And they're not going to think I'm crazy because 
this happens to people, mm-hmm. you know, it, but it, it like you can put it into some kind of a context as opposed to just like hiding that feeling away and trying to pretend that it's not there, you know, and that everyone's going to be ashamed of you if you talk about it. Right. You know, yeah. those you, you're looking at me like <laughs> the same way that I looked. Well, at I'm just imagining ladies. people who haven't had babies here and just be, well, no, <laughs> when well, you go to the hospital and you have a baby, they make you watch a video that tells you. Don't shake your baby. And you laugh and you're kind of like, well, <laughs> like duh. Uh, yeah. But then you, you know, the baby won't stop screaming one night and you're like, oh, this is, okay, yeah, I am going to lay yeah. the baby down. So other people feel like this. I'm going to drink some tea and, and let the baby cry a little baby's bit. Baby's not yes, going to die if it cries in the crib. So that's the, the point place. is that, yeah, yeah we need to, we need to be, <laughs> hear from other people some of the crazy thoughts that might enter our own lives, yeah. you know, so that we, again, yeah. We're ready for the consolation. Because the, the world, like the world is ready to tell you, you know, the world's ready to tell, you know, a couple that, you know, there's all kinds of reasons for abstinence. It's not just like for preventing children. It's like you have surgery or you're tired or you're postpartum or what, like what you're busy. I mean, yeah. there's a million other reasons why you don't have sex, but the world's just going to tell you, well, that's what porn's for, you know, or masturbate or this girl at work is cute or something like that. And it's just like, or are you? You just, I guess you must just not been meant to be. You That's know, right. Like this yeah. marriage can't work. Cause you, yeah. Because you haven't, you know, like a season of mm-hmm. uh, yeah, difficulty. Yeah. Or like postpartum feelings and people are like, That's why I got the dubes tied. Because I knew I just I wasn't like the other women who like having children. But then you get around people who have like ten kids and they're like, Oh yeah, those feelings are just normal and they'll pass. Mm-hmm. And you'll get through them and you know, maybe go to your doctor and get blood work. Like, oh, because I was ready to sterilize myself, (laughs) you know, because that's what everybody else said to do. So the world will be ready to tell you what to do. You need to build a context for people who believe who believe the reality. Okay, one of the sub virtues or perfections of prudence is docility. You know, which is precisely what we're talking about here. (laughs) I got so excited, I turned my notes upside down. Which means learning about life from other people, being open, you know, to the the greater context of reality that someone else's experience can give us. That's what we've been talking about here is this docility. And so, like, so other things to think about in the stage of life, like, what do you want for your family? How are you going to accomplish it? Which stage of life are we on? Newly married and young families. Got it. Do you want your husband to have a raise this year or do you want him to be home early and have more vacation days? Do you want to plan on being somebody who will care for family members? Like we knew this before we even got married that we were going to have a plan to care for aging family members no matter where we lived. Whether it was like a small apartment or a small house right now, we knew what room we were going to change into. You know, we knew what we were going to do. We kind of ran that scenario with each place we lived because that was really important to us. Um, So do you want to work if you want to work together? Make a rallying cry. You you brought up Jennifer Fulweiler's book, uh, One Beautiful Dream, is an excellent and hilarious book. Like, you will laugh. <laughs> you'll read this book, like, all in two days, and you'll laugh so hard because she's a comedian. She's so funny. One Beautiful Dream. I didn't have a copy to show you guys because I've given it away so many times yeah. that we just don't even have a hard copy in our in house anymore. In many ways, that's what it's about. It's about the stages of yeah. life. You know. And there's certain, another yeah. great question that I think hers is, like, the fiction of. Because I know she knows this book and this guy really well. Mm. Pat Lencioni's Three Questions for Frantic Families. Yep. Yep. That's that's almost like the, if you want to plan, if you want to work through the plan and create a plan, um, It that's it, they're both excellent books and they really go hand in hand. Right. Um, if you are look, looking for fellowship, I know being a young mom is really lonely. 
being a young husband is really lonely because the wife, the person you married, like is going through all of these changes that you never expected. You're so busy and all that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a period of life where you need other people in a similar situation. <laughs> like when I get together with guys, it's always like after eight o'clock. Yep, exactly. Because yeah. <laughs> we can put the kids to get bed first and give our wives yeah. a break, go, you know, get a beer. And so like you, you do need community of people who get that in our similar stage of life as well. Yeah. When we moved, we moved from Steubenville, which we were only a part of this community for like a year and a half, but it was very clear that they had this gorgeous, like multi-generational supportive Catholic community. Um, and every, everybody had a subset in their own stage in life and everybody was taken care of, or at least you know, attempted to take care of. Um, and I knew when we moved to Perrysburg that I wanted that. So I just started asking moms at the back of church, like when I had my babies and I was standing at the back of church and somebody else had their baby, you know, like, hey, do you want to have a play date sometime? Our kids are the same age. And um, here's a secret. Like nobody will say no to your face because we don't know how to do that (laughs) anymore in society. So everybody will say yes to your face, Um, you know, and just exchange numbers. And eventually, like just by hosting play dates once a week and a mom's night after bedtime, um, a couple, you know, once every couple of weeks, we grew this group in just six years. Till there's 70 women in this group and it's very regular and we're very good at taking care of each other now. Like everybody gets a big old meal train and, you know, somebody puts out there, I bought too much beef, which was me last week. <laughs> Does anyone want to buy a quarter of a cow? And I had like 10 offers in about 15 minutes. Like people are just very good at taking care now. And that was as simple as just like asking someone to have a play date with me in the back of church. You know, like if you see that person, you're like, I kind of like that person's family. I like the way they look. I like the way the husband and wife look at each other. I'm just going to ask them over, you know, just as simple as that. Um, And you can do small acts of service that already fit into your home. This is key. Like in this stage of life, service is hard. You can't serve the way you always thought, like, I'm going to take all of my kids to a soup kitchen and we'll be the best people. (laughs) Like you can serve in ways that already fit into your existing family life. Like we have people over all the time, like at least once a week. We're always having priests over because priests need to be around your kids. (laughs) I know that doesn't seem like the kind of advice people are giving now, but they really do. They're men who come from families. They come from large extended families and then they're all alone and sometimes with only business relationships, you know, lonely mentor relationships. Like sometimes they just need to be around kids in normal settings, right. you know. Um, so, sometimes I my priests really um, surprise me. Yeah. They come over and they're just like, let's read this book. Let's lightsaber fight. I mean, they're, they're just ready to jump in and like hang out. Yeah, you know, and that's again, that's one of the, the, the unique gifts that at this stage of life that you can give, you know, for the, the young married with kids stage of life. You can't do the things you did when you're a college student. You mm-hmm. can't binge in the sacraments necessarily. You can't go do a bunch of service projects. There's just things you can't do practically if you're being prudent with your role, mm-hmm. but you can make a gift of your family. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, you'd be prudent and it has to make sense. And you know, there's all kinds of caveats you can give. But nevertheless the gift of just the presence of your family, even the messiness, the messy hospitality of your family. That's a big thing that we're real big on that messy hospitality too. It's just survival. Like I want to have friends and I want to have people over. So they're just going to have to step over the crap on the floor. (laughs) 
So, okay, we're moving to a different stage. Empty nest. You know, so maybe your kids are older. Maybe they're not necessarily out of the house. Maybe they're older and kind of like self-sufficient. So that's really different than being in the trenches with like little kids having emergencies all the time up in your face, whether or not they're really emergencies. So I really want to just meditate on this. Like the work of the Christian never stops. Mm -hmm. It never stops. Um, This I'm going to steal this from. I'm not going to steal it because I'm going to cite it. So this is Mark Barnes at New Polity. I think that this is this is maybe in the retirement episode of their podcast the christian life is characterized by work this does not mean that the christian life is characterized by work for a particular company why do we work why do we labor once we get beyond the needs for material survival survival the popes have been very clear that we labor for others the obligation to build up the king of the heaven the kingdom of heaven for others doesn't cease when you're finally getting to your retirement the idea that you no longer have to do good works to build up the kingdom of heaven is false your work still has to be actively pulling in the kingdom of heaven and again that quote which i I did steal from mark barnes at the beginning of this in the beginning of our lives and at the end of our lives we are taken care of in the middle we take care in this stage of life when your children are you know, self-sufficient and maybe they're not giving you a lot of things to do for yourself. This is a great time. A priest once told me this, these are the women that you get to babysit for Mm -hmm. events, Mm -hmm. right? Because they don't have grandkids yet and they miss having kids in the house. So be looking for ways to serve that we couldn't serve with children in the house. And again, attend to the reality that you are more free. Just like when you were a college student, you are more free. Yeah, you know, a virtue we haven't talked about yet. Uh, we hit all the other cardinal virtues, but temperance. Um, one aspect of all these stages is just recognizing that. So, on the one hand, as you just said, we there's no stage in which, like, we're we're done with the spiritual life. Like, oh, we can stop like doing the active Christian life and just kind of rest on our laurels. That doesn't ever happen. The work continues, imitating Christ, doing His good work, doing what He calls us to do, um, but it changes. And one of the things that can that can mess us up is that we get really attached to a certain stage of life. We don't, we're not, our desire to continue doing the kind of thing that we're already comfortable and excited about, that can trip us up because we have to temper that desire. Because the those things were good, but they were still they were for a purpose. They were out of obedience. They were being they were embracing that stage of life. And we need to be we need to have a, a loose grasp on those when the Lord mm-hmm. comes in and says, Okay, now it's time to move on to a different stage and there's different work to be done. It's a thing to assert your independence and mm-hmm. say, I will not babysit for my grandchildren. I will not be that yeah, person. It's becoming a thing. And you days. know why it always gets broken and you're always like, Oh, that woman gave in. Well, it's because the <laughs> because God draws us out of ourselves and we fall in love and we want those kids just like we wanted our children. My grandpa said that. And you know what? My grandpa was my best friend. I was his little best friend. He babysat me for years. He was my only babysitter. He retired from his factory where he stood on his feet for like 30 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not babysitting Jenny. (laughs) And he did. He babysat me every single day and we were best friends. You know, I've got a host of family members who said they weren't going to babysit their grandkids and they're babysitting their grandkids and they love it and they can't wait. And all they want to talk about is their grandkids. Yeah, That's God. That's God working through you. So, again, so can you, yeah. some practicals, yeah, can yeah. you offer to babysit during a parish mission? Can you say, 
you know what? I don't need to hear Dr. Han or awesome Father Nathan Cromley speak for like the 40th time. I, I've listened to them on the radio. I've got their CDs. I pull them up on YouTube and see them on AWTN. I'm going to let a husband and wife sit together for this parish mission, and I'm going to watch their kids. Mm. You know, you get a parish mission for three days. You've got four or five kids. That's like $50, $60 a night for babysitting. Like, can you offer up whatever the heck Scott Hun, which who is amazing, by the way. He is an awesome guy. Whatever the heck he was going to say, you can offer that up and trust that God is going to give you the grace that you need in your stage of life by offering this particular sacrifice for someone. Yeah. You know, can you double your meal size to bring to a homebound parishioner once or twice a week to keep them out of assisted living? We need we need Ethan Cam here. Our producer back there. Oh, he's making the like all, he's making all kinds of He was just motions. talking about this beforehand about, you know, <laughs> the stage of life that his parents are in and how again there's a there's a greater freedom, there's lots of stuff around, there's big meals, there's new opportunities if you're open to them. To, to share and to give that maybe you didn't have a few years ago. And so, yeah, we got to get the Ethan camp. Yeah. He's giving Ethan us. Cam- yeah. We there. need, yeah, yeah we, we need to think of that. He's, he's really cool. Sorry. Yeah. I just met him. He's really cool. I agree. <laughs> Can you sit next to a family during mass and offer to snuggle with one of their children? <laughs> or you know? just not give them the stink eye when the kids are being <laughs> I don't even want to go. Th- you need to do more than that. You need to do more than yeah, not give no, them the can, stink you eye. Can say it's, it's how you fool, you yeah. need to have your heart broken by these little children and see the poverty of the parents, man. We're getting sentimental here. Press on. Sorry. If, you're, if your decision is to retire and to retreat, this is the context you're using to shape your children and your community. If your goal in life is to put aside money for retirement so that you can be Jimmy Buffett. I love Jimmy Buffett, by the way. <laughs> But so you can be Jimmy Buffett for the rest of your life. This is the context you are setting for your children. And this is what they're going to do. They're going to put away all their money for their retirement and think about getting the heck out of Dodge, wherever Dodge is. I don't know what that is, but that's the thing. Um, Like this is the context. If you set the context that you don't want to be a burden to them someday, then they are going to be a burden to their children. And they're going oh, to put. Gonna, they're going to worry about gonna, the same thing. They're going to yeah. worry about Perpetuate being the burden. Thing. No one wants to be a burden. We all got to be separate. We all got to be isolated. So, are you yeah. making care about how you want? How, are you making decisions about your elder care? You know, are you thinking within the system, and or are you being creative? The system has one way. The system, the man, whatever, has one way. God has an infinite amount of ways that are completely individual to every single person and every single family to unleash his divine creativity. Ask, you know, are you asking for your, your desire of your family? You know, burden, the burden of care is a huge blessing. Mm. You know, you, you wouldn't think that when somebody brings a child into the world and they're burdened with taking care of that newborn, that, it's a bad burden. <laughs> you well, want to so, take it away from them. You see it as some yeah. a way in which that like they are being brought to life anew. And taking care of aging and elderly relatives causes us to grow in virtues. You know, I want oftentimes I want my parents to ask me for more. I'm like, what do you mean you didn't have food? <laughs> we have lots of food. We live 12 minutes away. Don't let me hear dad say you didn't have food. Gosh, you know, I want my parents to ask for more. It's not a burden. It's a joy, mm-hmm. you know, 
So, and younger, younger people going back to the younger crowd, are we having discussions with our spouses and then with our parents of what we want for their aging care? You know, what, what place do we want for them in our children's lives? Are we expressing to them that we want them more than we want our money? The world is telling your aging relatives that they need to put money aside for when they die to give to you. Is that what you want? Truly. Or do you want them like emptying out their 401k to build a house on your property so that they can just be there and be with your kids? You know, like, is, is that what you want? You want their money after they're dead. <laughs> I mean, truly ask yourself that question. Or would you rather have them empty out their 401k, move across the country and be with you? Sorry. Just getting, just getting mad. Preach it, preach it, Are we afraid to ask because we're afraid that we're going to interrupt their well-earned vacation? Right. I, I mean, truly, am I afraid to am I afraid to even say it because they've worked so hard. They deserve to just go on a boat for the rest of their lives and just be out of our picture. Is that what they want? You know, we, we Is watched, that what would make them happy and holy? Yeah. Are we re- preparing our children for the reality that their parents will grow old someday and that their nieces and nephews and aunts and uncles and priest uncle? Will Frunkle. someday uncle Frunkle, I don't know, <laughs> will need to be taken care of. You know, these are discussions we have with our kids now. And these are examples that we set that that they hurt. They're hard. They're Mm -hmm. disruptive. Mm -hmm. But we need to set the culture and the context or we're building in them not to be a burden. (laughs) You know, that that there's always a chance that you may be a burden. Well, the reality is we're all a burden all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. We, We all have burden times and we all have gift times. And that's just the reality of life. So put that in your cap. <laughs> suck okay. on it. No, that doesn't. That doesn't even work it. at all. No. No, that's, metaphors. That's all really no. good, babe. But again, I mean, I, we're capping a few things here. You started at the beginning directing our attention again to, to prudence, that all important virtue that opens up these other opportunities of virtue. And today we talked about kind of prudence across time, across you know, days of consolation and desolation, seasons of life of greater freedom or greater uh, limitation, seasons of life of uh, greater receiving, you know, when we come into this world, when we leave this world, and seasons of life in which we are called to give radically. Uh, another a final quote by Mark Barnes here. I mean, to write this off. <laughs> You just go listen to him. Which, you don't need to listen to us. Well, prudence is because I think he was, <laughs> it was in the context of talking about the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and says, Hey, I've lived a good life. What do I do? Inherit eternal life. And Jesus says, Great. Looks at him, loves him, and says, Now sell all you have and follow me. And he's like, Ah, gosh. <laughs> and how do we interpret that? And I, I think it was in the context of that that Mark Barnes pointed out that prudence is not about whether to live out the gospel radically, it's just about how. And so again, like the, this, this thing of retirement and like maybe, maybe there's a time when the work is done and I can just rest on my laurels and relax now. No, no, no. There's never a moment in our lives in which we're not called to radically live out the gospel and imitation of Jesus Christ. The question is how? Mm-hmm. And that changes in different seasons, different times. But the, the, in, in virtue, we ad- adapt ourselves to those times and we try to, to – um, embrace them we try to get the most out of those opportunities that god has given us sometimes you're in such dire straits that all you can do is pray and offer up your sacrifices as a penance you know particularly thinking about the end of your life you know but if you're saying to yourself like i can't even babysit for a parish event that's not even something i can take on 
perhaps you can just be there and read to the kids, you know, or just sit there and watch them play. You know, if you can do laundry, you can have a family drop off their laundry <laughs> once a week. Or, or if you teach piano, I mean, like, I would love it if somebody came to my house and taught my kids piano. So, I mean, there's, there's so many, this is what I'm talking about. Systems put you in one peg and you can do one thing. The one thing you can do is sit in a home and retire and grow plants, which I hope I'm growing plants till the end of my life. Yes. So nothing against the plants, but God's divine creativity. In case you're listening plants. <laughs> yeah. I expect you sorry, to grow. Sorry. <laughs> but I mean, like God's divine creativity is so individual and unique and just waiting to explode <laughs> from your yes. You know, there are millions of different ways that you could serve your neighbor, even if you're homebound. Yeah. Even if you're not mobile. Um, ask God. Ask God to show you creatively the needs of your right. neighbors. Yeah. Well, so. it's all to say. We can say no more because yeah. there's no more to be said. And we're running out of babysitting time, actually. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Uh, again, we just we, we went through a lot today, but this this is a good conversation. Thanks, babe, for sharing that and your reflections just... with me and with our our friends here in the audience. Um, again, we hope you enjoyed this conversation. We'd like you to continue to be part of the conversation. Let us know what you think, but also uh, if you like what we're doing on this show, uh, please check out our Patreon community at elevateordinary.com. Uh, there's different ways to support the show there, but in that that community kind of behind the scenes community. There's, there's more special stuff for you. We're going to be starting a book study here soon and some other fun stuff as well as, you know, little, little perks and, and thank you gifts for those who join. So check that out. Uh, and either way, uh, download the awaken app at the awaken app.io. It's the best way to follow this and other shows here on awaken Catholic. And there's lots of other cool stuff available in that app. And again, you know, hold fast to the truth, the good times, the bad times, hold fast to what you know to be true Practice the virtues in those times of plenty, those times of consolation, so that you're ready. We're ready together, practicing together uh, to be ready for uh, the curveballs that life throws at us, that God allows life to throw at us to help us to grow. So, God bless you. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. A big thanks to Select International Tours for sponsoring this episode of Elevate Ordinary. Check them out at selectinternationaltours.com for your next spiritual pilgrimage. See you later.